Hey everyone, my name is Nick. And my name's Kat. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Made for You and Me, an educational and entertaining podcast on the history, geology, wildlife, and other fun facts in America's best idea, the national parks. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. Uh, We hope it's a good one for you. So before we dive in, Kat and I want to take a moment and say that we have really much enjoyed, very much enjoyed, um, doing this podcast. We hope that you're learning a lot. We're certainly learning a lot. It's been phenomenal. That being said, we're going to take probably two weeks off because life has just really hit us hard this past couple months, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. And not in bad ways, just big ways. And unfortunately, this is not our main source of income. <laughs> Fingers crossed yet. <laughs> so we got to focus on our, our real source of income and just some other things. Um, so we're going to take a step back. Just take like a two-week or so hiatus, um, and then we'll be back. But we're starting to lose steam We don't want that for ourselves or for you as listeners, Um, but just follow us on social media and we will keep you updated whenever we're going to be back. Yeah, and we'll have some fun on social media in the meantime. Absolutely. Um, But just be aware and we wanted to brace you for that. And we also wanted to say it in the recording of this episode so that we commit to it (laughs) so that we don't backtrack and say, oh, actually, maybe we could swing it. We wanted to say in this episode so that there's no going back. We have to give ourselves a break. No, that makes sense. Yeah, and just a mid-season break. Yeah. That's what we'll call it. It's it's spring break. <laughs> yes, perfect. So spring many break good 21. reasons to do it. So many good reasons. Okay, awesome. Well, Kat, I was going to say, how's your week going? But it's Monday. <laughs> it's I had a just, great weekend. Which just speaks to how badly we actually do need to you know, take something off our plate, even just briefly. Um, but it's so good to see you. You look beautiful. Your hair is just <laughs> wonderful <Dirty>. as always. <laughs> Love Thanks. it. I saw your Instagram story um, with a shout out to your hairdresser. Oh, I love her so much. Uh, I mean, you should show her some love because she did great. Mm-hmm. Not that your hair was like Seriously. a knapsack before <laughs> at all by any means. But, but she definitely, she, yeah, yeah it's really good. She made it pop for sure. Love it. Now, actually, so now that I do it every day, I do have split ends. There was that one episode. <laughs> And I was like, rude. <laughs> but no, like now I truly have split ends I can play with. I took a big one out earlier today. Fine. You'll never understand how exciting that I is. I won't. I will never understand. I, I don't think I will. I don't ever plan on having long hair. But never say never, I, I guess. <laughs> or split ends. <laughs> I never plan on being able to see my split ends with long hair. Um. Anyway, yeah. So that this is good for us. I like cat. I like felt guilty today going to the gym i've just been so busy with like i mean this podcast is obviously fun but it's several hours a week Mm -hmm. and then work and then life and just whatever else today i was like i had to convince myself it was okay to go to the gym and i was like no nick maybe you should do this like don't feel bad take a break from work take a break from life like go so anyway we're just at that stage where um it's just for every reason life's super busy right now yeah, I so I'm in two master's classes right now, and one of them last week, I was like, okay, I've got to get ahead of this. Like, I can't like be freaking out at the last moment. So I looked at our assignment, and I was aware that we had like a group presentation today. But I was like looking, I was like, there's an individual five-page single-space paper oh. with this, and I was like, how did I miss that? So I started like texting my group, and they're like. A what? No. <laughs> and then we started texting the class, and everyone was like, "A what?" <laughs> so that like, make you feel a little better, that. Well, I emailed the professor, and I was like, "We're all very embarrassed, but super unprepared to give you both like a five-page paper and a presentation next week. Can we like push that paper back a little bit?" And she she did. Oh, so, good. Yeah, it's a. That's but, must have been a great feeling. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. also a horrible feeling right before. <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, judge me. I don't Aww. care. It's not worth my <laughs> mental health to write this paper. Yeah, it's re- that's really important to stay on top of, for sure. <laughs> so speaking of mental... <laughs> sorry, I said that right as you were drinking. I'm sorry. Speaking of mental, uh, let's do some edumacating. But first... Yeah, we have questions. Today's icebreaker. <laughs> Who goes first? I'll go first. All right. What was it? <laughs> We're like, hold on, I've got this, I've got this. Um, Where do you not mind waiting? 
nowhere. <laughs> I am not a very patient person. And by not a very patient person, I just mean straight up, I'm not a yeah. patient person. And I mind waiting pretty much everywhere. Like other than the microwave, really? I don't like waiting. <laughs> Your boy is not a waiter. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. Like I'll wait like two and a half minutes for my leftover spaghetti. But other than that, just like don't count on me being comfortable are waiting. you a people watcher um yeah but like when i have to be like in an airport yeah or like i don't know <laughs> where else am i a people watcher i don't really know like whenever i take coop to the park i guess i'll watch people, yeah or but... like i'm thinking like getting every time i get my car oil changed there's always a bunch oh. of people like doing yeah. strange things no that's good if you if you like want to we need a silver lining when it comes to waiting and people watching. But I, as of late, like I'm thinking like, no, every time I've had to wait on something, even just a short time, I've not <laughs> been okay with it. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Makes sense. All right, Kat, I'm asking you, what is either you personally have started or society has started because of the COVID-19 pandemic that you hope sticks around even after the pandemic? I have one thing in general. Well, okay, so I think everyone cooking at home more is huge and great. Obviously, we need to support our restaurants and things of that nature. But, like, I've saved a ton of money Mm -hmm. just, like, eating what's in my refrigerator. And to the same point, I guess, and a little bit more specific, is making coffee at home. I was drinking like a $5 coffee every day. I, remember, I knew that about you. And yeah. I, I mean, I love my coffee shop and I like, I'm good friends with the owner. So I love her. And it was more of the experience than necessarily the coffee. Mm-hmm. But now I get so many other experiences because of how much money I've I saved. And it's like a super special treat to go have coffee made for me. Yeah. So I would say those two things, I hope <clears throat> I can personally continue forever super all right now that we're warmed up where are we going today kat we are going to st louis missouri missouri (laughs) (laughs) the gateway arch gateway arch national park this is our third newest national park and it was the 60th cool it was created in february 2018 so there's a really good chance that 100% of our listeners are older than Gateway Arch National Park. Yes. <laughs> yes. I say that pretty confidently. So this national park consists of the Gateway Arch, a steel arch that has become the definitive icon of St. Louis, and also has two other buildings and a park, like a literal just green what you think of park. <laughs> it's 91 acres, and it has over 2 million visitors a year. Lots of visitors. Um, and as I already said, it was established in 2018 as the 60th as the 60th place to receive this honorable designation. Like I said, there are three structures in the park. One is very obvious, but I wanted to <laughs> talk about all of them. One is the old courthouse that's that's named the old courthouse. It's an old courthouse. <laughs> Well, <laughs> there are so many things in this episode. I was like, what we said in Beaverhead Deer Lodge, like now that's all I think about in life when something is literally named after what it is. I'm like, oh, great name. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so here yeah. we go. So there is a new courthouse. Therefore, there was an old one. And it's like, you know how sometimes things burn down or mm-hmm. whatever. No, this one's still there. The old courthouse built in 1839. Cool. Not exciting. I think so. You think? I like old architecture. Oh, I guess so. But part of my history is talking about... How boring it is? No, about how, <laughs> like, awful oh. history oh, took place oh, yeah. in the old courthouse. Yeah. So I'm like... That makes sense. Um, and then we have the arch. So in our last episode, whenever we talked about national monuments, I said that I thought there was only one national park that I could think of that wasn't made to protect land. And this is the one I was talking about. Yes. So... The Gateway Arch is named after and because of the arch. Um, It's known as the Gateway to the West, and it's the tallest structure in Missouri. It was designed in 1947 and built between 1963 and 65. It stands 630 feet tall and 630 feet wide. 
at its base. Its legs are 54 feet wide, and then they narrow to 15 feet or to 17 feet at the arch. There is a unique tram system that carries passengers to its observation room at the very tip top of the arch. Tippy tippy top. And then the third structure is the Gateway Arch Museum, which lives underneath the arch. It features exhibits on a variety of topics, including westward expansion and the construction of the arch itself. It also has a gift shop and a cafe. But there's not a cafe at the top. Oh, heck no. Yes, they want you to know there's no food at the top. There's no food at the top. You get up there, you look around, you look one way, you see a river, you look the other way, you see downtown St. Louis, and then you go back down and someone else's turn. <laughs> Which is cool, but just know, is there a bathroom? I don't even think there's a bath. I, Maybe. I, I don't it, want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I don't want to say the wrong thing. But there's no cafe, <laughs> for sure. Or vending machine. Or vending machine. So get your Cheez-Its before you go up. But I was like, why would you want this vending machine up there? I guess. I, apparently, like you would only say that if you've had it brought up many times before. Yep. So I don't know why people like would expect or why people would like need the immediate gratification that desperately because you're only up there for a few minutes right so it's like why like you need it that bad i need my cheese whatever to, ex- mean, to experience this view i also get my snack cravings but like i don't expect there to be a cafe at the top of a, the gateway arch if they did they could charge like ten dollars a snack they, apparently. I, yeah you're right yeah <laughs> they can inflate the heck out of it all right so the gateway arch has a very interesting history cap and it's brief but it's pretty entertaining. It started as a monument to Thomas Jefferson, who negotiated the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, as we all know, and that doubled the size of the United States. The explorers Lewis and Clark and their guide Sacagawea scouted new territory and mapped a route from St. Louis area, what was already the United States, to the Pacific Ocean. And the memorial commemorates Thomas Jefferson's vision of a transcontinental United States and it was formerly known as the Jefferson National Expansion Memorial until 2018, literally the day that it received its park designation. The park we know today began in 1935 when President Franklin Roosevelt signed an executive order creating Jefferson National Expansion Memorial and designated property along the St. Louis Riverfront to be developed as the memorial. While the land was cleared for construction, the city of St. Louis deeded the old courthouse to the National Park Service for it to be incorporated into the memorial. In 1948, a nationwide design competition determined what shape the memorial would take. And then in 1963, construction began. And in 1965, it was completed. The arch stands as a symbol of national identity and an iconic example of mid-century modern design. The groundbreaking did not happen until 1959, which means the National Memorial stood for 24 years with nothing on it. Oh, my. Yeah, it was designated by executive order in 1935, and then construction started in 1963, but groundbreaking took place in 1959. So it was just an empty plot of land. Do you know why? For two decades. Well, the I actually don't because it wasn't. It was over 10 years until there was the nationwide competition to determine the design and get an architect. So Maybe money. Maybe, Usually oh, money. Did, no, not the Great Depression. World War II? That sounds Wrong, right. Wrong, Chica. I think World, well, let's say World War II had something to do with it. Uh, but over the next few decades, improvements were made to the memorial, including repairs after flooding and a bridge over the interstate that connects the arch to downtown St. Louis. So how did it go from memorial to park? There's nothing natural about the Gateway Arch National Park, and it doesn't have a variety of resources, and there are no resources to protect. It's in the middle of a city (laughs) with a modern man-made object as its focal point. Like, it's very clear that it's unlike every other national park that exists. So how did we get here? And the answer is... The Antiquities Act. (laughs) No. (laughs) Jerk. It's unclear. It's so painfully unclear exactly how and why this national memorial that is 90 acres became 
a park. But I will give you some background, and it gets a little scandalous. Mm. And I'm also going to give my opinion. So there's a statement from Robert Vogel, who was the acting who was the acting deputy director of the National Park Service at the time in July 2017, and I'm going to read his quote. Although we would welcome using the term gateway arch in the name of the Jefferson National Expansion Memorial, the National Park Service strives to provide consistency in the naming of park units to better align with the standard nomenclature for units of the national park system we recommend that congress redesignate the unit as gateway arch national monument national parks contain a variety of resources and encompass large land or water areas to help provide adequate protection of the resources the existing 59 designated national parks protect a minimum thousands of acres each and some span millions of acres at only 91 federal acres we believe that the Jefferson National Expansion Memorials too small and limited in the range of resources the site protects and interprets to be called a national park. Since it is a site similar to the Statue of Liberty Monument in its iconic status and small land area, we believe that a more fitting name for the Jefferson National Expansion Memorial would be Gateway Arch National Monument. So yes. even the deputy, the acting deputy director at the time wrote a letter to Congress and was like, Hey, I think I know like what you're trying to do, but a national monument would be better suited for this. And there was no response, or at least there was no clear response or publicized response. So that just leaves you to assume that it was a ploy to attract more tourism to St. Louis. Oh, uh, okay. Which yep. isn't a like a dirty thing. It's not like a bad thing, but it is it makes you think. 2018 were dark times, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. maybe we were focused on other things as maybe. well. <laughs> so the press release for the grand opening of the newest national park made no mention of the reason for the designation change, uh, just the process of the congressional approval and the signing of the bill by the president. Maybe the decision was caused by a limited understanding of the National Park Service system, or maybe a desire to benefit local communities. Maybe it was compounded by the absence of clear guidelines for what a national park is, and Congress just ignored the precedent that was set by the previous 59 parks. Either way, there's no denying that the Gateway Arch National Park is the oddball of national parks. I mean, it's fun that we have one that's just like, why? It's weird. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's very weird. I don't hate it. So we'll leave it up to you listeners to decide for yourselves if you really think it deserves national park status. And what, what are you going to do about it? You said you were going to give your opinion. Oh, my opinion was that I, I thought it was a ploy to attract more tourism. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, but also my opinion is that it shouldn't be a national park, but I'm not mad about it. Right. Like, I'm not going to do anything about it. So, so like, I disagree, but Maybe also, like... Maybe that's how we get famous, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we start a petition to make this back into a monument, to... yes. Oh, man. I don't have the effort for that. Well, we have two weeks now, Nick. <laughs> like, what else are we going to do with our lives oh, I think in the so next two things. weeks? All right. So, lastly, I want to talk about how the Gateway Arch went from a symbol of repression to a symbol of liberty. The courthouse served as a site of a number of landmark civil rights cases, including the Dred Scott decision, which in the 1830s, the enslaved Mr. Scott was taken to free territory in Illinois and Wisconsin before bring, being brought back to Missouri. In 1847 and 1850, under Missouri's, quote, once free, always free doctrine, Scott sued for his freedom at the St. Louis courthouse. In 1957, the U.S. Supreme Court decided against Scott and his wife Harriet, ruling that African Americans were not citizens and had no right to sue in court. Dissent over the decision helped to speed the start of the U.S. Civil War four years later. So obviously, horrible, wrong, bad decision. Similarly, in Minor v. Happerstedt, in 1874, U.S. State Supreme Court case in which Virginia Minor unsuccessfully argued that the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution gave women the right to vote. On October 15th, 1872, Virginia Minor attempted to register to vote in St. Louis. When the election registrar turned her down, Virginia filed suit in the Missouri state courts. The trial court 
Missouri Supreme Court, and the United States Supreme Court all ruled in favor of the state of Missouri. The Supreme Court unanimously held that the Constitution of the United States does not confer the right of suffrage upon anyone, and that the decision of who should be entitled to vote was left to the legislative branch. Hmm. And it would be only men for the next several decades. So now, even though the Gateway Arch was built long after those um, poor decisions were upheld by the Supreme Court, those did take place in the old courthouse, which now is part of this park. Um, And so a lot of people say that the Gateway Arch now is a symbol of what happens when you stand up for change. Is Gateway a verb? Can you make it a verb? Because that would be really cool if it was like... To gateway. Um, I don't think it is, but you and I can make it verbish. Well, yeah. If it would be like to gateway means to like change, that Mm -hmm. would be even better. But I agree. All right. That's all I got. That's all you have? The end. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Here's some terrible history now. We made a memorial. (laughs) Sorry. Thanks, Jefferson. We know you Uh, love France. Gosh, You did a great job buying all that. What were they going to do with it? I don't know. The Louisiana. I mean, you go back in history, but great job. Do you want to take a break? Or you want to keep going? Let's take a little break. Okay, I'm down. See you soon. Toodles. Hey, everyone. We're back. <laughs> and apparently it's story time with Nick. Um, I just had a quick story. I, You know how, like, sometimes you just like suddenly realize this crazy thing happened to you and it's not like a constant memory or like you just need something to have jogged it. Right. So whenever I did my National Parks road trip in 2015, I left North Carolina and was driving out west and I did like a straight shot and my first stop was St. Louis. And that was like, I forget how many hours it was, but it was like over nine hours, I think. Not at once. I mean, like, I stayed the night over somewhere. But anyway, I got to St. Louis, and it was 4th of July weekend. I don't know if I was there on 4th of July or July 3rd, but I, like, found a place to park, and I was, like, not aimlessly wandering around, but, like, very focused and had limited time, and I was making my way to the Gateway Arch, and you had to go to the courthouse. Like, I had my parks pass, and you had to go, not the courthouse, yeah, the old courthouse, and you had to show your parks pass like there or that's where you like buy your pass and then you make your way down to the arch and do all your stuff and there were like as i was like trying to like get my whereabouts and like figure out what i was doing i just noticed all these children there were so <laughs> many children just all like all over the place like wandering the streets just like so many alone alone like so <laughs> many creepy. kids hundreds of them just like kid. And I, at first i was like it's a field trip this is like some like something like I just stumbled upon this field trip, but then I like I kept walking throughout the city, and I was like, there are so many kids here, and so I um, but I like really really had to pee, and again like didn't know where I was, in a strange city alone, found a hotel, peed in the lobby, came back out, <laughs> like got on my uh, my phone app and or yeah my phone maps, and was like which way to here, how many blocks am I, and like I finally just like took a beat and figured out like where I was in life and what I was doing, and I realized. That they were all little people. Oh. Yeah. They were little. Is that like yeah, the, the correct the term? Yeah, um, And there was, and I Googled it, and there was a little person's convention in St. Louis that weekend. And I was just like so distracted, like being in a new place, not knowing what, like having to pee, figuring, like limited time, figuring out where to go. And there were just thousands of little people in St. Louis that weekend. Oh, and wow. I was like, that makes so much more sense than they're just being hundreds of children just aim like just wandering the street without gel supervision but it was a little person's convention there were so many i um used to watch little people big world Mm -hmm. which is a great show and then there's another one i'm trying to remember it's like it's gonna be really hard to find because they had so much drama with the little people big world that but there was another one when they were both little people and she was a doctor and she like toured the country and did speeches and oh, things yeah. like that and i'm pretty sure they re- they filmed at that conference it's very possible because my dad's from st louis oh, so I anytime that. i hear st louis which is not very often it's not known for very many <laughs> yeah, things except so. for this arch and a convention apparently <laughs> but it's a big deal. besides that like and the st lunatics i mean that's it what's the st lunatics the rap group oh i never heard of them 
Yes, you have. Or at least not consciously. Yes, you have. But anyway, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. We'll look them up off air whenever we don't have to. And everyone else should too. Pay for rights to yes. <laughs> play a song. Yes. But um, I just want to tell that story about that time that I was so confused and then finally peed and figured out what was going on in my life. And I, I also love the fact that you had place. to like. <laughs> go to the bathroom to be able to focus enough to realize that you were surrounded by adults. <laughs> well, I was in the car for so long and I was just like yeah. on a mission getting this place. So I held it. <laughs> but that's that's also like such a Nick thing to like not even be able to properly focus until I've gone to the bathroom. <laughs> but anyway, that's my story about St. Louis and being there unknowingly the same weekend as a little person's convention. And the 4th of July. Fourth of July. It's a big weekend. <laughs> it's a big weekend. Traveling alone at the age of twenty-two across country, visiting national parks in a rental car. It's phenomenal. How exciting. Anyway. So the Gateway Arch is so significant as a structure that as you mentioned, many people forget that it's also like a specific landscape mm-hmm. that was created around it, those ninety-one acres. Um were designed to correspond with and enhance the arch. Right. Because you can't just have, like, like the arch coming out of the sidewalk. Exactly. It's like the Washington Monument. Well, I suppose you could, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, why would you? Not cool. Yeah, so there's, like, a whole landscape surrounding it. And it's really cool because you see it off from a distance or you see it in pictures, but then you get there in person. It's huge. Yeah. It is massive. So it kind of makes sense that you need, like, this big green area surrounding it. Yeah. Well, and I've ta- I've looked at some of the aerial views and things like that, and it looks really nice. It's really cool. And I like that it's not straight lines. Like it, it, yeah. it kind of goes with the whole arch theme. I don't. I'm not a fan of straight lines when it comes to sidewalks and things like that. I mean, like blocks, I guess, but not <laughs> like in parks and things. So yeah. yeah, I yeah. think it is really cool. So it is neat. The architect, Dan Kiley, wanted the landscape to flow with all of that. And the National Historic Landmark designation included not only the massive stainless steel structure, but the curvilinear, graceful staircase of toned concrete at the north and south ends, mm-hmm. which provides access to the grounds and the riverfront. So um, so I, I get on the website, the National Park Service website, and I'm like, typically there's something about nature on there. Typically. And there was a page. Um, it had the word nature, and I forget what the second word was, but I'm going to read all of it. Okay. As you know, national parks are full of nature. Join us in the nature zone. That's what it was, nature zone. <laughs> for a taste of what our natural areas have to offer. It wouldn't be a nature zone without animals. Featured in this area will be a baby bison, a bald eagle, a hawk, a possum, turtles, snakes, and fish. A plant area with exhibits, demonstrations, and hands-on activities will keep everyone in the family busy. Other issues discussed in the Nature Zone include weather, climate change, and recycling. And that is their website. That is a good effort at (laughs) including nature into this park, I would say. So... it doesn't say if this is like a museum type situation. It's or got a bison. It, Definitely a museum type I situation. I know, but it doesn't say it. Like, I read uh, you the entire website. Right <laughs> <then>. <laughs> it's in quotes. The and. Um, no, that's really funny. Yeah, that's got to be. I mean, what they're probably just talking about. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to sound like such an idiot. It's on the Missouri River, right? Mississippi. The, oh, it there is. There is the Missouri River oh, is okay. in St. Louis. So but. there's probably something in that exhibit about like the out west and like animals that used to roam freely and maybe things that are still in the river so yes that's a that is a a fair notable effort at bringing nature into the park yeah and just to bring us back to what you asked at the top of the episode um (laughs) one of the things that we learned during the pandemic was there is a lot more nature in these urban environments than we realize until we all get off the streets and like let it quiet down for a little while. Um, So there is a group called the St. Louis Wildlife Project and they have set up 34 motion activated cameras within the park and elsewhere. It's like 64 acre. Nope. I just made up a number and an acreage. (laughs) Smaller than 91. So I'll (laughs) take it. Yes. Um, And so they they check out all the nature that comes through there and what's happening, the biodiversity and improving their understanding of the ecology. So I I was able to find some animals and plants to talk about. So without further ado, we are going to talk about 
my spirit animal. Squirrels? Squirrels? No. Oh, what's your spirit animal? Cicada? (laughs) I just sit in trees and scream. (laughs) No, what's your spirit animal? I looked at your notes, but I can't remember. Is it otter? Yes. The river otter. Okay. The river otter. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, love me an otter. We actually Um, have. Otters are lovable. My granddad went hunting really, like really early one morning, and it was so cold that he said the first thing he saw that moved, he was going to shoot it. So thank goodness it was just a river otter, not like a human or something. But he shot a river otter so perfectly that we could mount it. So we had this otter mounted my entire childhood, and I would put it on the floor, and the dog would hump it. And I did not know (laughs) what was happening. I just thought it was really funny. So, like, my childhood included me allowing my poodle to hump a taxidermy to river otter. (laughs) Love it. I love river otters. They're really cute. Um, If you have never looked at videos of them, go do that right now. But if you have, you know that they can swim really well underwater. They change directions really fast. They have very strong tails that kind of move them quickly through water. They're semi-aquatic, so they're on land and in water. They have little webbed feet, but they also have their hands. They, like, use it for things, kind of like a raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) And they hold each other's hands in the water so they don't float away from each other. But some things you probably didn't know, they have those long whiskers, but they're, like, extra sturdy, and it's so that they can detect food in murky water. Okay. So I didn't realize that. They just kind of look like cute animals to me. Um, Also, they can run up to 15 miles an hour on land. What? (laughs) They can run so much faster than us. That is quick. For a little weasel. (laughs) That's really fast. Okay. (laughs) And they can slide even faster. So also watch videos of sliding otters. Yeah, they play in snow and things like that. animals. Um, also shocking to me, they can weigh up to 30 pounds. Oh, that's hefty. <laughs> so they probably weigh like even way more than that when they're sopping wet with all that fur. Can you imagine a 30 pound otter running at you at 15 miles per <laughs> I really hour? can't. I can't imagine that. That is like, I would be like, just scared and like shocked and confused, but I also be so excited and so happy. Mm-hmm. That's so funny, though. Yep. That's a big boy. A big, fast, furry boy. Yes. And like you just mentioned that I totally just scooted over. They have really thick fur. <laughs> it does keep them warm when they're um, swimming in really cold water. So, And they're brown, mostly, and just adorable. Yeah. They thrive in pretty much any water habitat, ponds, marshes, lakes. They do like clean water. So, like, if there's pollution in the water, they will leave the area. Um, I don't and, blame them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we need to take note of that. <laughs> um, they also live in little dens, which are basically abandoned burrows or any, like, hollow hole. That, but they will have an entrance from underwater. So they don't go into the den. They, oh, like, wow. burrow up. That's cool. So I don't know what makes these dens for them that they are then allowed to, like, I don't know. They make a new, like, front door or something. <laughs> anyway. Cool. Um, they communicate through whistles, yelps, growls, and screams, as <laughs> well as touch and body posture. Aww. So apparently they spend a significant portion of their day marking territory by urinating, defecating, scratching, and rubbing their scent glands on rocks and trees. Huh? And now I love them even more. Me too. What else you got to do? <laughs> oh, man. Mark your territory, y'all. They typically live around 12 years old, but the oldest living river otter on record was 27. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That is nuts. Yeah, they're cute. 27. Oh, I love it. I wish that there are so many animals that I wish lived to be so much older. Like dogs, specifically dogs. Like I wish dogs lived to be like as older, older than humans. And river otters, that's another one. Like I feel like they just deserve to be like to grow old and just be these. Like, Wise old river. Yeah. Otters. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Aww. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I just, I have been waiting for a very long time. Like, otter was the first animal I wanted to do, and they are in most of our national parks. But I was like, I'm going to wait for one that doesn't have any yeah. really cool animals. So here we are. I love it. A gateway arch. So our next animal, if you couldn't guess from this <laughs> large park that's not really a natural resource, <laughs> is the eastern gray squirrel. Squirrels are everywhere, man. Everywhere. They're everywhere. And these specifically in, Amer- are, in North America, anyway. And there's like the eastern gray squirrel and the western gray squirrel. Mm-hmm. And like, the gray-tailed squirrel. What is North Carolina's? The eastern gray squirrel. Oh, I thought we had like the gray-tailed something. Well, we also have fox squirrels. And then there's like several others. I had to delete half of the like squirrel comparisons I found. They're prevalent as heck. Mm-hmm. Seriously, like, can you imagine if squirrels were aggressive to humans? Mm-mm. Like, I really don't think society would be how it is today in America at all. I also think we take them for granted because they are everywhere, but they're super cute. They're so I love watching squirrels. Mm-hmm. There are so many squirrels in our neighborhood. I mean, like I said, everywhere. But there are just so many squirrels, like, hopping on fences and burying things and just, like, like bopping around power lines. I love squirrels. I think they're so cute. And they're super sweet. And they're like hilarious. You said, they're not mean. They're so funny to watch. Yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, I mean, um, yeah. So we do have fox squirrels. That's probably what you're talking about. Those okay. are the confusing skunk looking squirrels. They look like a mixture between the I know eastern gray about. squirrel and the skunk. Um, but yeah, they're really common. They are basically from Gateway Arch. East and north into Canada is where you can find the eastern gray squirrel. They have also been introduced to Italy, Italy, Scotland, England, and Ireland, and they're considered pests there. And they've actually kind of like threatened the native squirrels in that area. Yeah, I don't. I I believe it. So they don't like living in Europe. They want to stay right here. <laughs> Not a lot of, like, fun facts about the squirrel itself, but they were the main, one of the main sources of meat for Native Americans and colonists, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people still eat squirrel today. Oh, yeah. So, in Mississippi, there's an economic impact of $12.5 million from gathering squirrels every year. I don't... That's like so believable. Yeah. We had a, um, my, my father is, he's not like super Southern, but like, but like definitely has a draw. I had a draw until I was like 12 years old. But um, we had a joke in my house growing up where if I'm, my brother or I were to like ask what's for dinner more than once, my dad would say squirrel. <laughs> and just get us squirrel. to shut up. And then we had a, a, a saying that we'd say squirrel. It's what's for dinner. What's the what was that from? It was like from a was it spam? But there was like a, a that was like a marketing thing like on commercials and it was like some something. Like it's beef, what's for I think. Sure, was it be, yeah beef? It's what's for dinner. Or but it was like a specific. Yeah. But and so we started saying squirrel. It's, it's what's, what's for, for dinner. dinner. Yeah. No, I've never eaten squirrel. Nor would I like seek it out maybe if it was like super randomly offered to me and i was just like in a yolo moment but normally like i'm good yeah without. they they run around a little too much for me to think that they're going to be like true uh yeah they're probably just very lean and tough very lean and tough but they are abundant <laughs> So also the reason why it's such a big industry in Mississippi is because training people how to hunt, like it's really easy to hunt squirrels. Oh, okay, great. Yep. So um, we mentioned this in the episode with the uh, nutcrackers, but squirrels do eat seeds and so they also bury seeds all over Mm -hmm. um, and they have a really great memory. And so th- between their smell and their memory, they usually remember where all of them are. But the ones that do not are not retrieved out of the ground end up being trees. So they have a really important role with the ecosystems so that they cute. live in. So funny and so vital. Yup. They get are eaten by a lot of the things we typically talk about, like bobcats, hawks, and Canada lynx. And it's, Mississippians. It's <laughs> literally what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Um, So two fun facts. 
one to your point, squirrels are ranked second to birds in value to nature watchers. Oh. And they are the only mammal that go down trees head first. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. There we have the it. The eastern gray squirrel. They're a lot more interesting than I thought. Oh, so cool. So my next thing is natural a plant. Entity. Is natural entity? that what you said last time? I was about to say entity this I time, it. and I was like, stop, no, stop, stop, stop. keep that going. Natural entity is the goldenrod. The golden rod. So going back to like looking at things and being like, that golden rod. <laughs> it <laughs> <Once> is, again. <laughs> it is a plant. It looks like a bunch of bananas are elongated into rods. <laughs> like they come in bunches. Cool. So they're really beautiful. It's a herb. And it's <laughs> <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's um, Latin name is solidago, which means to make whole or heal. So this is used in herbal medicine oh, nice. all the time. Um, they gr- it grows everywhere. And basically, if you're in the mountains of North Carolina and you're driving in like late summer, early fall, they're all over the road, like mm-hmm. roadways everywhere. And so it's also, they bloom in late summer, early fall. So they're yeah. important to like pollinator species and things like that. When all the other flowers are dying, these come around and they're like, okay. Would you so say I'm, they look like lavender, but they're yellow? Oh, that's a really good description. That's how Thank I would you. say. So if you know what lavender looks like, just picture them yellow. Cats <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like, kind of in bunches. But yeah, they're yeah, pretty. I, they are pretty. I think they're a great addition to most um, scenes, too. So they are the best studied species in terms of health benefits. So I'm just going to kind of go down the list of health benefits. Oh. Um, they have higher antioxidants than green tea and vitamin C. They inhibit the growth of harmful bacteria and yeast. They have anti-cancer and anti-inflammatory effects. And... They have, I don't really know what this is saying. And they cause crazy diarrhea. Super big diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> so they they help with like chronic conditions that have free radical damage. I don't know what that means exactly, but Me I'm neither. sorry if you have it. So, <laughs> Well, go on with your bad self, goldenrod. I know. I like the goldenrod. And I had no idea it had so many medicinal no. aspects to it, but... um. I, I want to find out how people use it because it says on her, but like, are you putting it in food? Are you making tea out of it? I did not do this research. You smoke it. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. Teehee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last one is, there's not much to say about it, but it's called the Wild Sweet William. And they're pretty much ground cover. Um, They're loose clusters of white or blue or blue-violet star-shaped flowers, and they provide nectar for hummingbirds and butterflies. And like I said, they're kind of like a ground cover. Um, And the reason why I picked these two basically native wildflowers is because there is a really great video on the National Park's website about what's growing in the park Mm -hmm. and they only do natives and um, they did a really great job describing them and what they were used for and what they look like and when you would um, put it in your yard but she also did a great job of explaining why you would garden with native wildflowers which you know you have less fertilizer you have to use you have less water you have to use because they're they're used to the area already smart (laughs) Exactly. Um, They help reduce air pollution. They provide shelter for wildlife that's already there. Or, like I said, the pollinators or something of that nature. It's just, you know, that they're not going to, like, take over and kill native plants. It's just really the way to go. So I wanted to mention that as well. Beautiful. But that's all I have. And they are just little wildflowers. Purple and white and blue star-shaped flowers they're beautiful they're very cute wild sweet william wild sweet william there's no comma in that just wild sweet (laughs) (laughs) perfect all right well cat any fun facts yes do you have some as well i do i have three how many do you have i can do three okay um fun fact the arch 
itself, like the physical structure, has a series of lightning rods at the top, which are grounded directly into the bedrock with a perfectly insulated interior. It is able to withstand hundreds of lightning bolts, which hit it each year. Wow. My facts aren't fun, but they are interesting. First is, 40 blocks of St. Louis were demolished to build the arch and its surrounding park. Sorry, it's not funny. It's not funny, but just, I'm sorry. That's the second time you've almost made me spit water. I've been timing these really poorly. (laughs) 40 blocks of St. Louis were demolished to build the arch and its surrounding park. In what St. Louis city engineer W.C. Bernard called an enforced slum clearance program, dozens of warehouses and cast iron buildings housing 290 businesses were raised to create space for the arch. It was a controversial move, particularly since it was discovered that the vote to allocate the city funds to the project was rigged by over 46,000 votes. But St. Louis residents did not like that black and low-income groups had pristine riverfront property and a grassroots movement to clear it for a memorial gained momentum. Disgusting. Disgusting. Everything you just said is disgusting. That's not fun at all. (laughs) I know. I mean, it's interesting, and we should know about it, educate yourselves, but absolutely, like, sickening in the worst way. Yeah. All right, moving on. Moving on. So this is another question that's asked a lot um, of the National Park Service. Why are the windows so small? So if you haven't been there, you probably wouldn't know that the windows to see out are small. But apparently they are. Did you find them to be small? Oh, I actually didn't go up. It was Uh, under renovation. So I stood and marveled from the ground. It sounds about like... (laughs) And it was... sounds fine. Great. Yeah. It was just fine. There are over 500 tons of pressure... That was used to jack the legs of the arch apart for the last four-foot piece to be inserted at the top. A larger window would not withstand that pressure. Oh, makes great sense. Yeah. It is the keystone. <laughs> can't withstand the pressure. The insurance company for the project predicted that 13 workers would die during construction. With a difficult construction process that saw people working hundreds of feet in the air with no safety nets, it's not too much of a surprise that the insurance expected there to be fatalities exactly 13. But somehow, no one died during construction. The only death associated with the gateway arch with the gateway arch is that of Kenneth Swires, who in 19 19- 80, leaped from a plane, parachuted to the top of the arch, and then attempted to base jump to the ground. His auxiliary parachute did not deploy, and he fell to his death. (laughs) Sorry, miners. I'm just realizing (laughs) mine are so bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Another question asked of the National Park Service. Why are the park rangers at the top? And what did they... And do they work there all day? <laughs> America, you really need to get a, a life. Machine? Yeah, get a life. <laughs> Park rangers are assigned to the top to assist visitors in boarding and unloading, providing the safety of the visitors, and mostly, and most importantly, to answer visitor questions at the top. Why, why is this window so small? Where's the vending machine? <laughs> the rangers work a single two-hour shift at the top on a given day. Nice. Thank you for your service, rangers. <laughs> Lastly, presidents are not allowed to go to the top, except for one, President Eisenhower. The Secret Service has forbidden all presidents from ascending to the gateway, ascending the gateway arch. I keep saying gateway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just leaving the the G completely out. (laughs) So good. Okay. Oh, gosh. They're forbidden from ascending to the top of the gateway arch due to security concerns. It is, after all, very tight and closed space. 
The only exception was Dwight D. Eisenhower, who signed the order for the construction of the arch in 1954. In 1967, when he was 77 years old, the former president visited St. Louis to give a speech. A trip to the top was not in his itinerary, but when he showed up early to the monument, after it had closed to the public, he insisted on riding the tram up. Gosh, I wish I had enough power to be like, no, you're actually going to start this for me. <laughs> like, Yeah, that'd be cool. Starter engines. All right, so <laughs> planning your visit. The old courthouse is closed due to COVID-19 restrictions, so hopefully that will change this summer. But the tram is still taking visitors to the top of the arch. You just have to wear a mask, and you're highly discouraged from going if you have a condition in which you cannot wear a mask. You better save up to go to this park because it costs $3 to enter. (laughs) But a combination ticket to all three locations is $34. Some things you can do are free guided tours, visit downtown St. Louis. You can go to the museum underneath the arch. You can take riverboat tours and helicopter rides. That is Which makes total sense. They make like a, a, the map that I looked at to see the bird's eye view was actually a drawn map and there was a little helicopter on it. Perfect. Yeah. So if you want to reallocate the $32 that you wouldn't have spent on like another national park, since it only costs $3 to get in, you can put that towards like a $300 helicopter ride. Yeah, there you go. Or you can do what I told Nick during the break that I didn't know where to fit it in. You can just look at their webcam. Look at the webcam. See both sides. When I looked at it this morning at like 6 a.m. our time, so like earlier their time, I was expecting it to just be like dark because, you know, National Park webcams at night are dark. But you're so high up. But you see the city. Yeah. So you actually see like lots of lights. It's very pretty. cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, Kat, any questions, thoughts, comments, critiques, philosophies, intuitions, or ambiguities? My aunt gave us a soda stream for Christmas, and we just got it yesterday because we just did Christmas yesterday, and it's life-changing. Everyone should have a soda stream. Brought to you by Soda Stream. Brought to you by Soda Stream. Stream that soda and get it carbonated. That's what that's what it means, right? It's just carbonated water? Yeah. It's weird how it changes the taste so much. I'm not a big fan of carbonated water. I know. Most like people like it's like static water. I think I most people I know really like it. Mm-hmm. I just it's just not my jam. But that's really cool that you got that. Yeah. Where in your house is it? It's tiny if it's under like in the cabinet. So like hook it up to the faucet. Just under is in the cabinet. I'm just pull it out and like I'll show you in a minute. We'll listen to the St. Lunatics and make club soda. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Well, if you found this episode even just a little bit interesting or entertaining, you should totally share it with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast to stay up to date on all of our episodes and releases and to see photos of the amazing places we talk about in each episode. Thanks for listening. You'll hear from us in two weeks. You're beautiful. Bye.